All right, praise the Lord, everyone. Amen. Can you, can you hear me in the back? You can hear me all right? Okay. Um, you should have a sheet that looks something like this with less scribble on it. Um, John chapter 6. It's an outline. If you don't have that, uh, raise your hand and we'll get one to you. We're going to be in John chapter 6 tonight. My name's Chris Hall. Zion needs one. My man Zion needs a John chapter 6. Um, we're going to be in John chapter 6 tonight. My name's Chris Hall. And uh, we're glad at Christian Students that you decided to be with us tonight. This is our weekly um, gathering where the whole club does their best to get together for us to eat. It's good to eat physical food together. And it's good, it's good for us to enjoy God's Word together. And so we make this a staple of our daily, weekly Christian experience here at the University of Texas. We want to come together for the glory of God, um, to enjoy God, magnify God, all those good things, okay? So we'll be doing this every Thursday night, and uh, more, more than likely, we're going to be right here. We're going to be in this room, or maybe we'll get that one next door, I don't know. We'll see. We're going to be right here, okay? Um, I'm excited to be in this chapter tonight because... Within this chapter is one of the, quote, hard sayings of Jesus. And, um, you know, God's Word is good for us. God's Word is really good for us. And at Christian Students, we love every word of God. We love the whole Bible, every book, every chapter, every verse. And within this chapter which to a lot, to a lot of us is, oh, that's a hard saying. It's hard to understand what's going on there. Hidden, encapsulated within this chapter is a monumental, profound truth that will greatly help the rest of your Christian life. If you catch it, if you catch it, you have to be listening. You have to be open to the Lord and you have to allow him to impress you with what he wants to speak to you in this chapter. A profound, monumental truth of the Christian life is hidden within this, quote, hard saying of Jesus. And so as we come to this chapter, we want to open to the Lord and we want to get what he has to give us from the Gospel of John. Just a little background. The Gospel of John was written by John. That makes sense, right? Written by the Apostle John, who was one of the twelve. He's one of the closest people to Jesus. He spent probably um, all of Jesus' last three years um, on the earth in his ministry with him. And his book, The Gospel of John, is a historical narrative. It's a biography, okay? But, very interestingly, John is compiling and writing this biography in a very... Um, interesting way, okay? He's not just saying he did this, he went there, Jesus did that, but he's being inspired by the Holy Spirit, number one, that's pretty big, and number two, he's choosing particular instances that convey very crucial truths about who Jesus is and what he's here to do. So he calls this in his gospel, signs. And he records a number of different signs and things Jesus did. In our language, we would say they're miracles. Miracles are when something miraculous takes place, something supernatural. And we say, whoa, praise God. That was incredible. 
That would have never happened in normal life. Signs are when, when, when a sign happens, we say, whoa, that was incredible. Praise God. What does it mean? There's significance behind it. It's not just, wow, Jesus can do that, but wow, Jesus can do that, and He's conveying something of Himself to us through that instance. Does that make sense? Are you with me so far? Okay, no blank stares yet, which is good. So, John devotes 65 verses to Jesus feeding the 5,000. He devotes 65 verses, 15 verses to what happened, and then 50 verses of explanation about what it means. In every other gospel, they, they don't devote near that many verses. So what John is doing specifically here is very important, and we need to pay attention. So Jesus feeds the 5,000, and it's, um, I hope you get, as we go through this text, I hope you get the main point. And I want to tell you what it is up front so that uh, we just don't lose ourselves. Maybe I'll get confused and say a number of different things. Um, I don't want that to happen. I want you to leave with the main point. If you get one sentence out of this evening, this is the sentence I want you to get. Jesus is food. Write that down. Jesus is food. The faintest ink is better than the strongest memory. So if you can find a pen, find one, okay? This is God's Word, and since it's God's Word, surely there's something to take a note about, okay, if you can find a pen. Jesus is food. Now what do I mean when I say Jesus is food? Remember that this is a Christian meeting, and so there's the nature of this meeting is spiritual, okay? So when I say Jesus is food, I'm not talking about the food, the breakfast burrito that you had for breakfast this morning, okay? When I say Jesus is food, what I mean is food is something outside of you that you take into you for your sustenance, your strength, and your satisfaction. This would be good to write down. What do I mean when I say food? Food is something outside of you that you take into you for your sustenance, your strength, and your satisfaction. Jesus is food. Now, don't answer out loud, but I want you to think, what do you take into you for your sustenance, your strength, and your satisfaction? Think about it. When you're tired, when it's been a long week, and you've had a lot of work to do, and you just want to, you just want to relax. You need some strength. You need some sustaining. You need some satisfaction. You've been in the grind. What do you go to? What do you take into you for your sustenance, your strength, and your satisfaction? For a lot of the brothers, maybe not for all the brothers, but for some of the brothers, for sure, I know because I've been there, it's college football. And this coming Saturday, this coming Saturday, I know what it's going to look like. It's going to look like 9 a.m. laying down on that couch and not getting up except for the delivery man to come to the door. I've got pizza here. I've got wings here. I've got something else here. And from 9 a.m., 9 a.m., not to 9 p.m., 9 a.m. to 11 p.m. to 
12 a.m. the next day, it's going to be laying down on that couch and just, oh, just receiving. Ooh, game after game after game. Game after game. And, and maybe, maybe there will be, be a little rest. Maybe there will be a little, little uh, strengthening. I don't know. Probably some satisfaction, a little bit. Um, I know because, because um, I'm married and I have uh, some close contact with my wife that, you know, for, for a lot of the ladies, um, it's, it's shopping. I just need to go shop for a little just, oh, I just need a little strength here. Uh, <laughs> You know, I just need a little, a little sustaining. I need a little satisfaction. I just, that, that credit, dad, dad's credit card's burning a hole in my pocket. I just, I gotta go swipe that thing. And, and maybe, maybe I can't get to the mall, so you know what, I'm gonna go on Amazon. And then maybe just scroll a little bit. And then maybe dad ran out of money, so you know what, I'm just gonna go to Pinterest and pretend I'm buying it. I, I'm just gonna pretend, you know? Oh, that feels good. Oh. Let me put that on my future house board. Oh, so good. Wouldn't this look good in my dorm? Mmm. Boy, I feel better. Right? You ever experienced this? What do you go to? Think about it. For your strength, for your sustenance, and for your satisfaction. That is your food. And there's something that all of us in here have in common. Though we come from many different places, Though we had different upbringings, though we have different majors, though we're headed, maybe headed in many different directions in life, there's one thing that all of us in here have in common, and that is pretty recently we ate a meal sometime. If you're living and breathing and alive, you had food in the nearest amount of time. Some of you just had taco salad. Wasn't it wonderful? Okay. It was. Good. I would have got a second one if I didn't need to be up here. (laughs) The point is, food is something we're dependent on. We cannot live without food. You can't. You can go a long time without it, uh, but you get pretty weak. And then eventually, after getting pretty weak, you die. That's what happens. No food, no living. Food is something we have to come to again and again and again and again and again and again and again to take into us for sustenance, strength, and satisfaction. The point of this chapter is that Jesus is food. Jesus is food. In this sense... Jesus is food. What the Lord wants to say to us is that He's not content merely to be our King. You're going to see that. There's going to be a very good group of people that want to make Jesus their King. And what you're going to see is that Jesus is not content to merely be our King. What Jesus is going to be saying to us is that He wants to be our daily Necessary sustenance, strength, and satisfaction. The source we come back to again and again and again and again and again. This is what glorifies Him. How does that sound? That's what, that's what you need to walk away with, okay? Now, let's dive into this chapter. I'm going to pray real quick, and then we'll get into these verses, and hopefully I won't talk too long. Lord, we love You. Thank You for Your Word. Thank You for this gathering. Lord, right now we ask you to grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened. 
Lord, show us who you are and what you came, for, what you came to do. We'd like to receive you, take you into us. We'd like to be strengthened and satisfied and sustained. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Okay, so what we'll do is we'll walk through these verses. Grab your pen um, so you can make some notes or text yourself. And um, some of them you'll read, some of them I'll read, and we'll just walk through and we'll fellowship these, okay? Okay, so I'm going to read 14, 15, and 24. And this is the group of people that Jesus has just fed with basically uh, not much. There was a little boy who had five loaves and two fish, and Jesus says, great, let me take that. I'll break it, I'll bless it, and then I'll distribute it to at least 5,000 people. Now, this was a great miracle, but it's also a sign, and you're going to see John bring that out here. Okay, let's, read, uh, let's all read 14 and 15 together. Ready, go. The next day, okay, so they say, they see the sign which he did, they ate the bread and they say, whoa, this is truly the prophet. Notice this verse does not say a prophet. It says the prophet. And what do they mean by that? They mean that Jesus is the fulfillment of what Moses promised in Deuteronomy 18, verse 15 through 19. He told the children of Israel, The Lord is going to raise up to you a prophet, capital P, like me. And he's going to lead you. And you need to obey his word. And the people, after they've experienced this wonderful sign, they say, Whoa, this is the man Moses promised would come. This is our leader. This is the one whom we need to follow. And then what do they do? They react to that and they say, let's make him king. How about that? Isn't that a good response? They see something from God's word. Whoa! And it's true. This is the prophet. And let's respond. Let's follow him. Let's make him king. Which doesn't just mean, hey, let's vote for him for president. Lots of people can suggest good candidates for presidency, okay? What this means is Caesar is not our king. And it means we'll stand against the whole power of the Roman Empire to make this man our king. It's a strong response. And then what does Jesus do? He runs away. He hides. Oh, oh, you, you recognize who I am and you want to make me king? I better get out of here. Isn't that interesting? It's very interesting. And then check this in verse 24. The next day they see he's not there, nor his disciples. So they get in, in small boats. And the, and the scripture says what? They're seeking Jesus. Isn't that a good sign? Yeah. Seeking Jesus. They see who he is. They want to make him king. And they're seeking him. What you're going to see in the next set of verses is what Jesus does is he touches their motivation for coming to him. It's very interesting. I'm going to read verse 26 and 27 to you. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you have seen signs, but why? 
but because you ate of the bread and were filled. Think about it. Pretty good deal. Hey, this guy gives free food to everyone. <laughs> free food? Some of you might have come because of the free food. That's all right. We're glad you're here. Free food? Whoa, this guy can take a little food and make food for everybody? Yeah, let's make him king. And Jesus says, I see the motivation. You, you're coming, you're coming to me not because you saw the sign, but because you ate the bread and you liked it. And then what does he say? Verse 27, work not for the food which perishes, but for the food which abides unto eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. I said, whoa, that's, that's a pretty good deal. Food that abides? Okay. We need to work for that? Okay. Verse 28, then they said to him, what shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, this is the work of God, that you believe into him whom he has sent. Circle the word believe. Isn't that an, an interesting work? Does that sound real hard, real laborious? It's kind of interesting, right? Man's concept is, I need to do something for God. I want to do something for you, God. I want to do something for you. So what, what can I do? How, what can I do to work the works of God? And Jesus says, okay, yeah, you want to do that? Great. Believe into him whom God has sent. Just believe. That's the work. Man's concept is to do. God's concept is that man needs to receive. God's concept is to receive something from him. Our concept, I want to do something for you. God's concept, you need to receive something from me. So he tells him, you want to work the works of God? Believe. Okay, let's move forward. Let's read verse 30 and 31 all together. Ready, go. Okay, now you see this playing out again here. Okay, all right, you want us to believe? Okay, we can do something for you? All right, so maybe what can you do for us? You know, last time you took a little bread and you multiplied it for everybody. How about this time you just make it rain bread from the sky? See, that'll be even better. You know, I, I, know, I know you did that before. With our fathers in the wilderness, you made manna. You made bread rain from the sky for them for breakfast every day. Why don't you do that? See, what happens if, if, if Jesus does that is they no longer need to follow Jesus. They can just walk out of their tent and get bread. That's what they're in it for. Oh, yeah, just make it rain bread from the sky. See, then we can be independent from you. We don't have to keep following you around and bothering you. See, that we can eliminate a lot of problems. Just make it rain bread from the sky now. That's what we'd really like you to do. If you'll do that for us, we'll do something for you. We'll, we'll believe in you. You do something for me, God, and I'll do something for you. This is our general thought about God. God, I want you to do something for me. So you know what? I'll do something for you too. Okay, let's keep reading and see what Jesus says. Verse 32. Ready, go. Jesus therefore said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Moses has not given you the bread out of heaven, but my Father gives you 
Okay, so he says, uh, truly, let me tell you now, true, true story here. Moses did not give you the bread out of heaven, but my father gives you the true bread. For the bread of God, verse 33, is he who comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Verse 34, they said therefore to him, oh yeah, Lord, give us this bread always. Yeah, we want that. We'd like that. What does Jesus say? Verse 35. Jesus responds to them, yeah, I am that bread. That's me. If you come to me, you shall by no means hunger. Do you believe that? Jesus says, if you come to me, you shall by no means hunger. Now remember, he's not talking about physical food. But he's talking about a food that abides unto eternal life and satisfies the cravings of our soul. Jesus says, if you come to me, you shall by no means hunger. And what? And he who believes into me shall by no means ever thirst. So here's a question for you. I want you to think about this. Do you want God to do something for you? Or do you want God to be everything to you? I'll say it again. Do you want God to do something for you? Or do you want God to be everything to you? Those are the two things on the table here. God, if you'll, if you'll do something for me here, we, we want you to make, make bread rain down from the sky, and then we'll believe in you. We'll believe in you. Or maybe it sounds like this. You know, Lord, um, I, I'm pretty sure you want me to go to church. So, uh, <clears throat> uh, yeah, I, I'm going to go. I'm going to go in college. I'm, I'm going to go to church because I think you want me to. And, but, but here's the deal now. you you got to make sure I get good grades, right? Because, I mean, I, just fair trade here, right? I'm, I'm going to do something for you, Lord. I'm going to honor you. I'm going to honor you every Sunday, okay? But, but if that report card don't, don't look good, now, um, I'm going to be pretty disappointed, okay? This is how this works. You do something for me, and I do something for you, okay? This is how this works. Or... Maybe it's, you know what, Lord, I'm, I'm going to be a good, um, I'm going to be a good boy in college and you just got to make sure that you give me an incredibly attractive wife, okay? <laughs> I, I'm going to be good, and, but you got to take care of me now on the other side here, all right? You know, I'm going to do for you, you do for me. This is just the way we think. It's the way that we naturally operate. Lord, I want to make a deal, I want to make a deal with you. And you know what? It's, uh, it's, it's way better than nothing. It's way better than nothing. But the Lord's intent is to be something to us. He, he's, not, he's, not con, he's not content just to do something for us. His intent is to be everything to us. You see the difference? Jesus did not come to give bread. Jesus came to be bread. Jesus did not come to give bread. He came to be bread. Okay, let's keep moving. Now what you're going to see here in the next 
few interactions here is that the Jews are going to balk at this. Do you know the word balk? If you've ever um, watched baseball or been around baseball, the pitcher begins to wind up, and then he says, no, nah, never mind, and he doesn't throw it. That's called a balk. That's really bad. You don't want to do that. It means to stop. Uh, everything was in motion here, and then, ah, uh, never mind. That's what the Jews are about to do. They've been saying, this guy's the prophet. This is who Moses promised. Let's make him king. Forget about the Roman Empire. Who cares about the armies? Let's make him king. Uh, let's seek him. Let's follow him. He's, he, you're, our, you're ours, Jesus. We're seeking you. And now they're about to take a few steps back. Okay, And as they uh, hesitate, what Jesus, how he's going to react is he's going to emphasize his point again with stronger and more graphic language. Jesus will not back down. They're going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Everything was cool until you started saying that you were the bread out of heaven. <laughs> that, that, that's kind of funny because I'm pretty sure we know who your parents are and pretty sure I know where you came from. Mm, I'm not so, so clear on that one. I don't really like that. And when they do that, Jesus' response is going to be to re-emphasize the point with stronger and more graphic language. And then they're going to say, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay, now it's definitely not cool. I, I really don't like what you're saying. You would think Jesus would back up and, oh, oh, well, let me... Let's see, let me um, just retrace my steps. Let me kind of back up here. That's not what he's going to do. He's going to emphasize his point again with stronger and more graphic language. Why? Because the point here is so monumentally important to our spiritual life. Jesus will push the chips in and bet the farm because this truth is so crucial to the existence of our Christian life. He's not going to back down. And then in the end, he's going to open up to us what he's been saying all along. Okay? So let's read these verses together. Let's read 41 and 42 together. Ready? Go. Makes sense, right? Like, whoa, uh, pretty sure I know your parents. I don't think you came down out of heaven. I think you're from Galilee. Pretty sure you came down out of Galilee. Let's see what Jesus says. I'll read it to you in verse 43. Jesus answered and said to them, Do not murmur among yourselves. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes, if you believe me, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. They died. They ate that manna and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven that anyone may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread which came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread which I will give is my flesh given for the life of the world. You see how he ups the ante? He pushes on it more intensely. He says, no, 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 no. I I'm telling you the truth. I'm the bread. You believe me. You come to me. You partake of me. You'll live. And what am I going to do? I'm going to give my flesh for the life of the world. 
Ooh, flesh. Ooh, circle the word flesh. It's more graphic. It's strong. It's stronger. You're offended by that? You don't like what I'm saying? Let me be stronger and more graphic about it. Because I'm making a point that is vital to the whole of your Christian life. That's what Jesus does. Okay, let's see what they, how they respond in verse uh, 52. Go ahead. Ready, go. Pretty strong, huh? (laughs) Basically, what they're saying is, whoa, man, this sounds like cannibalism. (laughs) How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And then how does Jesus respond? He says, "Um, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you do not have life within yourself. Pretty strong. Pretty strong. What else does he say? He who eats my flesh, verse 54, and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up in the last day. That eat, in verse 54, is like gnaws. It's strong and it's graphic. He who gnaws my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. 55, for my flesh is true food. My blood is true drink. Verse 57, let's read it all together. Ready, go. I was reading some commentary on these verses, and this sentence was incredible to me. This one writer said, this is the strangest and strongest sentence in the Bible. (laughs) Verse 57, as the living Father has sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also shall live because of me. Now think about that. So he who eats me, he also shall live because of me? Is that... I mean, is that the normal kind of language you use regarding God? We worship God. We serve God. We praise God. We pray to God. We exalt God. We rejoice in God. Uh, But he who eats me? Probably if Jesus Christ didn't say it himself, you or I would never have the courage to say it. But what does Jesus say? He who eats me... He also shall live because of me. Now, why is Jesus betting the farm? Why is he pushing in all his chips? Because think about it. He's just amassed a huge following. He's got at least 5,000 people who are saying, you're who Moses prophesied about. We're going to make you king. We're seeking you. We want you. Think about it. He's got a lot. I mean... Uh, If they get offended, he may lose all his followers. Maybe he'll just be left with the 12 guys he showed up with. But to Jesus, it doesn't matter. He is emphasizing and making a point. And you and I can have one of two different responses. This is how the disciples respond, okay? It says later on in the chapter, at this time, many of the disciples walked away and went to what they had before. You know what? I was an engineer before, and uh, man, I had a good job. 
And I thought the Jesus stuff was cool for a little while, but this is kind of hard for me. It's a hard word, and uh, I'm going back. See ya. That's what a lot of them did. Or we can have Peter's response. Peter says later on in the chapter, Lord, to whom shall we go? Where are we going to go? You alone have words of eternal life. Which means Peter said, uh, I don't know if I get everything here, but I'm not going anywhere. Lord, you alone have words of eternal life. I'm hanging around. I'm not leaving. The reason Jesus is pushing the chips in and He's not backing down and He's emphasizing again and again and again with stronger and more graphic language is because He wants us to get it. There's something here in His statements that reveals and opens up the heart of God. What is that? I didn't come merely to give you bread. I didn't, I didn't come. I didn't come to just give you a good life, a comfortable life, with good grades and nice situation. I didn't come to just give you a good life. I came to be your life. I came to be your life. I am the living bread. I am the bread. I'm your food. I'm the sustenance, the strength, and the satisfaction of your soul. You've got to come again and again and again and again and again and again and again. I'm your food. Jesus is food. I came to be bread. If you take me in, if you take me in, you'll have life. Do you see the difference? God can do something for us or He can be something to us. Jesus came as food to be our sustenance, our strength, and our satisfaction for His glory. Let's read verses 60, 61, and 63 together. Ready? Go. I want you to underline verse 63, and I want you to circle the last two, um, these two words at the end of the sentence, spirit and life. So things become clear here that Jesus was not talking about cannibalism. He says, the flesh profits nothing. If you were to literally eat my flesh, that would profit you nothing. Do you see that? So it makes things clear here. I wasn't talking about that. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. They were spiritual words and they were life-giving words. The words that I've spoken to you are spirit and are life. So now, this needs to be your question. Okay, Lord, your food? Then how can I eat of you? That needs to be your question now. If you're following along, if you're still with me, and I hope you are, we're going to be done very soon. 
Lord, uh, your food, you're, you're the source that I'm supposed to come to for strength, satisfaction, for sustenance, not Netflix, not college football, not Amazon, uh, not anything else. You want to be my food? How do I eat of you? That should be the question that's ringing in your being. Okay, I agree with you. Jesus is my food. How can I partake of him? The Gospel of John in chapter 1 tells us that Jesus is the capital W Word. Jesus is the Word, John 1.1 1, 1 and John 1.14. And the easiest way for us to contact the Word is by coming to the black and white text of your Bible. Do you want the Word? Do you want to eat of Jesus? How do I do that? How can I do that? Jesus is the Word. You can partake of Christ in a definite, simple, straightforward way by opening up your Bible every single day. How about that? That's probably not the application you were hoping for. Probably not. Because, because a lot of our experience with the Bible, I'll tell you my experience with the Bible when I was your age. Whoa, man, this thing's not that exciting. That was my experience. I grew up going to church every week. A pastor's kid, led some groups, did some things, did this and that. But when it came to actually reading the Bible, man, I'd open it up every now and again. I'd read a psalm. I'd read a proverb. And let's see. Well, I probably should read the Bible. Let's see. Okay, cool. And their horses are swifter than leopards. <laughs> and more agile than the wolves of evening. All right. I'll open it up again next week. Right? We know we're supposed to read our Bible, but uh, I don't know what's happening, and I don't know, it's not as exciting as uh, the 500 million video games I have at the touch of my fingertips. It's just, it's just not, usually. Why? Why is that? Because in our mentality, usually what the Bible is, is a manual. It tells me what to do, and it tells me what not to do. Say manual. It's a B-I-B-L-E. It's basic instructions before leaving earth. <laughs> I'm going to leave someday. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get out of my situation. And right now, I just read this to kind of get, get some instruction on the way. I'm going to get out of here. I'm just going to... Uh, someday. Basic instructions before leaving earth. A manual tells you what you should and shouldn't do. Punch that button. Don't do that. Don't pour water on it. We need our concept. It, it's good. It's good that we need teaching like that. D do this. Don't do that. We, we need that. We need that. But we need a concept change. The Bible is not manual, but it's menu. The Bible is not manual, but it's menu. Meaning there are all kind of wonderful dishes, items, aspects of Christ for me to find, discover, eat, and enjoy for the sustenance, satisfaction, and strengthening of my inner man. Okay? I want to read uh, to you two quotes. Um, the basic way... Okay, well, let me, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. Right now, you may not know how to eat God's Word. You may not know. You know why? 
because no one is born knowing how to eat very well. Okay, I have a 10-month-old. She's cute as a button, okay, but she cannot eat very well, okay? I can put a steak down in front of her, put a fork and knife there, and she don't know what to do with it. You know what she does? She picks it up. She might start licking it, you know. There's no telling what she's going to do because she doesn't know how to eat. She doesn't know how to eat. We've had to train her. Okay, baby, here, let's put the thing here and then use your little, oh, yeah. And so she's kind of learned, oh, I can pick up that Cheerio there. And then I can. And then she goes to put it in her mouth. And you know what she does? A lot of times she misses. You know what she does? She'll do this. She'll, She'll end up nearly her whole fist in her mouth and didn't get no nourishment, no food, no food. That's what it looks like a lot of times when we come to the Bible. (laughs) Well, I don't know. Yeah, let's read this thing. The brothers are telling me it's really enjoyable. Okay, let me do it too. And Yeah, I don't know. I I don't really know how to do it. I don't find it that enjoyable, actually, because we just got to learn. We got to learn. We got to learn how to do it. Okay, I'm going to give you two examples of two brothers that learned how to do it. The way we eat God's Word is by praying up God's Word. We pray over it. We pray it up. We digest it. We take it in by means of all prayer. Write this verse down. Ephesians 6, 17, and 18. Where do we get this idea about praying over God's Word? We get it from the Apostle Paul. We get it from Scripture. Ephesians 6, 17, and 18. Receive the Word by means of all prayer. Receive the sword of the Spirit, which Spirit is the Word of God. How? By means of all prayer. Okay? And I'm going to read you two quotes from two brothers in church history who took the Apostle Paul's fellowship and they learned to pray over God's Word. The first one is George Whitfield, who was a part of the Great Awakening in America in the 1700s. His testimony was this. My mind being now more open and enlarged, I began to read the Holy Scriptures upon my knees, laying aside all other books and praying over, if possible, every line and word. This proved meat indeed and drink indeed to my soul. I daily received fresh life, light, and power from above. How about that? How did he receive meat and drink for his soul? How did he do that? By praying, if possible, oh, over every line and word, oh, every point, and oh. Do you pick up his spirit? Oh, praying over every line and word. Okay, let me give you one more. This is C.H. Spurgeon, who was a minister in Great Britain in the 1800s. It is a great thing to pray one's self into the spirit and marrow of a text, working into it by sacred feeding thereon. (laughs) How about this language, right? Oh, a sacred feeding thereon. But pick it up, pick it up. It is a great thing to pray oneself into the spirit and marrow of a text so that you can experience a sacred feeding. How about that? You know, um, I'm going to give you one more, one more point, just one more point of fellowship. As, an, as a college student, I'm going, to, I'm going to put you at ease. You don't have to have it all together, okay? 
You don't have to have it all together in your life, and you don't have to have it all together in your spiritual life, okay? I can't tell you how many young men I've sat across from, um, across the table from. We're grabbing a coffee, man, we're fellowship and we're talking, and I just get the sense that they really feel like they need to impress me that they're an 18-year-old theologian. And you know what, man, they've been in it and they got it all together and they already know uh, anything that I'm going to say. And uh, boy, they can pray real good and they can do everything real good because boy, they got it together and they're for Jesus and it's okay. It's okay. You don't, you don't have to be the next Apostle Paul at the age of 18, okay? You, you don't have to have it all figured out. You may not have that kind of experience with God's Word. You may have never had this kind of experience. Boy, I pray over it. Man, I just, my soul gets fed. Man, I love it. I receive fresh life and power from the Scriptures. Brother, I walk out of my Bible reading time praising God and full of vigor and life, and I'm full of sustenance and strength and satisfaction. If you've never experienced that, it's okay. It's okay. One of the best things you can do is get with one of our older students or get with one of our staff members, one of our full-timers, our full-time serving staff members, and tell them, hey, I don't have it all figured out. I'm going to be honest with you. I'm going to let my guard down a little bit, and I'm not going to try to impress you with how awesome of a Christian I am. Um, I don't know how to eat God's Word that good or at all. I don't, I don't know God that well. My, my spiritual experience, is, it's probably not that deep. And I don't know how to answer your questions, but, but I'm opening up to you because I want to learn. I want to learn from you how to eat God's Word. I, I heard the thing on Thursday, Jesus is food. And I can come to Him for strength and satisfaction and nourishment to my soul. I can partake of Him. He can be everything to me. But I don't know how to practically do that. And I need you to teach me. I need you to help me learn to pray over God's Word. Will you help me? If you'll say that, probably what will happen is you'll get some help. You'll get some help. If my little girl, if she says, ah, she can't talk yet. But I know she needs some help when she says, ah, when she does that, I'll give her some help. I'll say, yeah, baby, here, let me, let me help you put that in your mouth. You don't know how to eat. Of course I'll help you. You know why she gets the help? Because she asks. You don't have to fake it. You, you don't have to be Christian superstar. Just open up and say, hey, brother, um, you're a junior, right? You've been in the club a while. Uh, tell me, man, how, how do you do the praying thing? Man, how do you enjoy the Lord? I, I want to learn how to do that. If you would open up like that, you would receive so much help. I've talked for too long already. What will happen is I'll pray, and then Alex will come up, and he'll give us some announcements and how to close out the evening. Lord, thank you for this time together. Lord, thank you for your word. Lord, bring us into this experience throughout the semester. We want to come to you again and again and again. Lord, we want to feast on your word. 
where we like to pray and digest and extract life and nourishment from the Bible. Lord, teach us. We open up to you. Lord, come in in so many ways, so many appointments, so many fellowships, or so many personal times with you. Lord, we ask you to be with us and give us, give yourself to us as bread again and again and again and again. We love you, Jesus. Thank you. Amen.